Hi guys, welcome to the Premium Property Podcast. Today we have Andrew and Mary on the podcast from Elite Investor Group. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. No problem. We're glad to have you on. So tell us a bit about your guys' background before property. Uh, So we were, um, both Andrew and I are both architects. So before property, we have um, around 15 years uh, experience in the kind of construction and design industry really um and we both have worked both in the uk and in australia and uh, so we've done a bit of um a bit of moving around and uh, worked on some really really exciting projects over the years and yeah. uh, that we can tell you a bit about what yeah well we're both um both interestingly done giant projects all, all the way down to the minute ones so i've done i've done a refurbishment of a car park all the way through to uh designing an airport so full, full range of the spectrum mary's mary's similar you've done yeah we've done heritage buildings uh buildings on the river thames that float <laughs> um <laughs> to some really really high-end buildings so housing residential buildings for the mayor of shanghai in australia so um we've touched on all sorts really but um over the years had a has had an amazing time being architects and being designers and enjoying ourselves doing that yeah definitely it sounds like you've got a great sort of varied background there so what sort of skills would you say that you've transferred from being architects and how would you say they've helped you in your property journey so far um there's the there's the obvious ones in terms of the design background um i think we have an edge over um majority of people getting into property in that we can look at a plan and quite quickly analyze it and see potential options um see options a potential options for the plot of land or site or whatnot um there's an also kind of your planning conditions, which I mean can vary slightly from area to area, but there's the, the broad spectrum, mm. um, building regs. There's yeah, lots of transferable there, skills. There's lots of um, there's lots of rules and regulations that are specifically in the property industry um, and housing industry and residential industry that um, are quite so we understand about it already, which is quite nice. Um, some level of costing so yeah. we understand materials as well and um, how to put spaces together how to put materials and things together so things like that are really transferable so we've been quite lucky to um to have those things yeah uh, yeah <laughs> in they're addition not, to the property they're not, like, they're not necessarily the direct things that we do but the stuff that we've got exposure to so we understand if um, we have a gra- basic understanding of it already yeah um, when we're having discussions with people yeah yeah and um, for those who don't know, what was the reason you originally went into property development yourselves? Um, so in 2015, we um, quit. Was it 2015? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we quit. We quit our jobs and went. Um, we went travelling for a year. Um, that's ultimately our our passion. It was what we we didn't take a day off work unless we were going basically going abroad somewhere or in the UK somewhere on on holiday. And all our money was kind of siphoned into going on holiday. And we were yeah. saving to go travelling for all this time. We finally quit our jobs, went travelling. And, um, yeah, for, for me personally, it was just a massive eye-opener and um, mm. 
just I completely think... changed my perspective on things and yeah. you know there's more to life than a, d- a day job as much as i like being an architect as as freedom and traveling is would be yeah i think we were um was it a week within our travel so we we landed in south america in brazil and we were first in rio and then second in sao paulo and um so that was like a week into our travels and we met this guy who uh who was just talking to us saying yeah i'm just doing a bit of work today and we were saying which what do you mean you've been doing a bit of work he was like oh i have um you know i just all my business is an online business so i can travel for living and we were like oh my god you travel for living (laughs) so so very quickly we thought okay we need to do something different um, yeah. And then went through a broad, broad spectrum of things, um, including green tea. We were like, shall we sell green tea? We had to loads of different property, uh, sorry, loads of different business and kind of entrepreneurial kind of ideas, passive yeah. income ideas um, before. So kind of the, the year of, of traveling had passed and um, we moved, when we came back, we moved immediately to Australia. Um, and when we landed in Australia, we were really really trying to come up with something um as, as a business idea and yeah about a month after we got there um you read yeah and Rich Dad, Dad, Poor Dad while we were traveling um the four-hour work week as well which um the, the latter was really kind of influence, influential on me um yeah. and then yeah we ended up on this um so an advert for a Rich Dad Poor Dad property um free seminar mm-hmm. event thing and yeah, it just hit the nail on the head. You know, property, a background in architecture just made complete sense. Made sense forget, yeah. the green, forget the green tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for the um, the people listening now, so you've got into property, are you able to tell us what type of strategies you were using then, or currently using? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, we started, when we came back to the UK, we started with service accommodation strategy. Um, so we opened a service accommodation business. And um, the reason for that really was uh, because for one year, we couldn't really get mortgages <laughs> because we'd left the country. And so we weren't able to get mortgages for 12 months. So um rent to service accommodation made sense because we weren't getting any mortgages, we weren't buying anything. So that strategy we started in the first um, 12 months. We had we gained a few um, service accommodation units in the city centre, which are doing pretty well actually. I was doing some of the accounts for it today. <laughs> um, and then as soon as we were able to get mortgages, we moved on to um, HMOs, Houses of Multiple Occupancy. Um, and that's mainly because uh, we want to get one of us, especially you, <laughs> out of your day job in the long run. So, yeah, that, that they're our main strategies, really. Yeah, yeah, we um, we, we definitely always wanted to um, buy and hold our own portfolio as well. We um, were not yeah. that keen on the rent-to-rent kind of sector it definitely it was good when at the beginning when we wanted to get you know make some progress and, and whatnot but long long term I, I don't think that's a game we would want to be in we want to be buying and holding yeah. our own portfolio Own, owning our own assets is yeah. important to us yeah so with the um with your current hmos when you first got them were you refurbishing them yourself 
No, no, no we yeah, we <laughs> we we level everybody else this time. <laughs> uh, we we do um we do all of the uh, design uh, and layouts and all of the drawings and everything like that ourselves. If it needs any level of planning, building regulations, anything like that, we do all of that ourselves. Yeah. Um, but then we the actual work itself. Uh, we do uh, so we get quotes out from different builders we get at least we try to get at least three quotes out every time uh, from different builders and then we hire them to carry out the whole job we pay yes. of our SA units and after that was it was I never because you you lose all your time that you could be doing something else you could be actually working on the business uh, you know, painting walls, and we did do that with the help of Andrew's parents. They're absolutely <laughs> lovely. <laughs> but um, it was good. It was a good learning curve to know how much time it actually realistically takes someone to do something. So it was a good learning curve, but we soon soon realised we didn't want to do it ourselves. <laughs> so, in terms of being architects, did that actually help you find good builders? Did you know any through that or not? Not really. Um, so we, obviously we've been abroad in Australia. Um, and, and before and, that, yeah. so just a bit, I suppose, a bit more background as well is we're both commercial architects. Uh, so um, we, yeah, the, the builders we know, they do big things. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they do. So we didn't necessarily know builders ourselves, but through doing lots of networking, so we do a lot of networking uh, with property and really kind of put ourselves out there um, on social media just to meet people, learn from people and meet different trades. And through there, really, we met uh, lots of different um, and builders and people and contractors who we could then contact and get quotes of. Yeah, so you mentioned Instagram there and social media. So how important would you say that's been for your success so far? It's been, it has been really good. It definitely, it's definitely been worth it, putting the time and effort into build it. Um, it's mainly for us, I think, um, with social media, uh, we, we we look at it, in, in more of an aspect of uh, just meeting people or getting to know people and having a community that you can really learn off. Uh, so I think that's really important for us and we're in lots of different groups and property communities and things like that, that we, we share our knowledge and they share their knowledge back to us. Um, that's kind of primarily our kind of social, me- social media and then we do actually kind of actively meet interesting people and investors and things like that as well don't we yeah i think what i was going to say is that it's 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 hard to measure its direct success because it's not like it's um you know a relationship you build with an estate agent and they you can measure the amount of properties they've brought you and there's been a you know there's a direct correlation there but the connections we've made um through it and the value and information that we've gained through those people and um, you know, we do get approached by um, investors and people wanting to work with us through social media as well. I mean, we, to be fair, we get. We were talking about this just the other day that we've had we've had um, people contact us through pretty much every method you can think of. Our website, our Instagram, our people we've met mm-hmm. in networking events. So again, I, I'm 
not narrowing. I suppose it's all part of the bigger picture of the brand. Um, but yeah, there's definite. It's definitely been worth worth building, um, and it's a great way to get yourself out there. Yeah, definitely. That's what we've found as well, especially with the community sort of side, having yeah. people that you can go to and ask questions if you need it. I suppose um, nowadays having a social media presence is so important isn't it Um, just because any kind of anyone getting to know you or anything like that any kind of advertisement even has gone online so if you've got any presence it's not people don't watch advertisements on tv or anything <laughs> like that anymore you have to be on social media and that's the beauty of it as well as you can have such a wide reach as just anyone i think as well the property industry is is very social as well and it is very um friendly and people are willing to share advice and um it's not like a corporate lifestyle where you are racing to the top of a pyramid so um you know social media is a perfect place to be social and to learn things from so yeah. definitely need to be honest yeah definitely everyone's willing to help in property aren't they so that's the beauty of it really absolutely so um you speak about social media and how that's helped you networking. Do you sometimes go to networking events instead of? We are we're regulars every month at the uh, PPN events. You you're generally the one in Leeds, and I generally go to one at Knightsbridge down in London. London. Uh, but then there's other events. We also go to networking events that are outside of property as well. Um, just to I think it's good to get out of that um, echo chamber sometimes. Um, and Lovely speak to so when, we, when I'm saying um, non-property events, I'm still talking kind of business events or investor. But yeah, just to get out of that echo chamber because you can find that at a property event, ninety percent of the people are probably all there for the same reasons, all looking for the looking for the same things. And sometimes it's it's better to get out of that um, out of that crowd and be the you know the one unique person in the room. Yeah, absolutely. I I also go to because you can't. <laughs> I also go to a uh, female networking events. <laughs> That's why you can't. <laughs> really good, actually. I can't stress it enough for any females out there just to kind of gain confidence um, and kind of learn how to talk and public speaking skills and improving all those skills. So um, it's a really good place to be and a really good place to. Um, you feel quite open with like communication i don't know it's just a female thing you feel very open uh, when you're surrounded by other females i suppose rather than different investors especially male investors coming at you <laughs> and that's a good place to be yeah so um when you go to these networking events do you look to get anything out of them do you have like a set routine of what you're going to do or do you just go in the hope of finding and talking to some good people i think if you're going to Without wanting to sound like um, uh, you, I think you need to go with a with an agenda. You need to go with a purpose for what you what you're going for. And I don't I don't want that to sound negative, but it's great to meet people. It's great to have chats and stuff. But I don't think you want to be coming away from a networking event and you've just had one or two kind of nice conversations with people. Um, you're in a you're in a room with thirty people at least, depending on where you are. Who um, are going to have a wide range of skills and knowledge in property, and you know there's 
real great access there to people to pick their brains. And if you and if you're not even there just going for information, if you're looking for investors or um, a JV partner or, or whatever, um, you need to know that you need to understand that you're looking for you you know how much money do you need or what kind of partner do you need? What kind of investor do you need? Do you need someone who wants to be hands off? Do you want someone who's got more? You want to get developed into the development. You want somebody who's got the knowledge in that, but and you can bring the money. You know, it doesn't always have to be about you know finding the cash. Mm. But I think you need to know what you what you are hoping to get out of the networking event. Yeah, I think um, uh, a couple of weeks ago I did a video. Uh, with the um, host of PPN, just uh, uh, just kind of uh, he gave some advice on what if it's your first time coming to a networking event. So it's really good actually to um, to go over it and have a look and um, uh, just to kind of understand why, like. For me, the best thing to do, I think, is when you go to a new networking event is to actually go straight to kind of the table, introduce yourself and introduce yourself to the host. Uh, and, and you know, just say, you know, I'm a new property investor or whatever reason that you're there, because he the host or he or she has access to absolutely everyone who's in the room and so he'll be able or she will be able to direct you to the right person that you actually require so i think that's one big uh, tip to going to networking events and then also in that video he shares kind of different tips tips of what to say and what to speak about and things like that which is really useful and if you're at a networking event as well and you have the opportunity to do your 20 second pitch doesn't matter if it's your first ever time and you're not even sure if you want to get into property, you need to be standing up and you need to be taking that opportunity because that's your chance to, in in 20 seconds, communicate to 30 plus people, um, and you don't you don't know who's going to come up to you and speak to you after that. Don't don't sit there. You know, yeah. sit there at networking event and you're giving up. Yeah. yeah, I have to stand up and do the talk. And um, so at the last. A network event I went to a kind of uh, I knew loads of people in the room but I still stood up because lots of people don't stand up but I still stood up kind of towards the end I put my hand up and I said hello da, 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 and I'm doing this um uh, this kind of this month um, I'm doing a 30 day or 29 day challenge where I um I have to put my put my face out there and do a video every night <laughs> And I just introduced myself and I said I'm doing this um, a social media challenge where I'm posting a video a day. And so many people came up, up to me and said they watch my video. And I never knew because I can't get statistics. When you post to a group, you can't get statistics. So it's like, oh, my God, people are watching. People know me. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really, really useful, actually. Yeah, I definitely think it's worth utilizing that 20 seconds that you get just to because the chances of you speaking to every person at the event yeah. in the time yeah. is pretty slim but obviously Absolutely. you get access to the whole room when you yeah. stand up Absolutely. so in terms of investors then do you use investors to fund your projects or do you fund those yourself it's been a mixture of both yeah we um so we knew this Again, we we um, moved on to property when we first got to Australia, and we we'd been in Australia for a month and went on this property course, and they found out we were British, and they said, "Okay, you need to move back to England then and invest in <laughs> invest in property." And 
We've been out there for one month. <laughs> so, we, so, we weren't uh, going to come back yet. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we kind of talked to her and said, look, we've come to Australia, you know, to experience Australia. So we stayed in Oz for two years and we just kind of worked on our education and built up our pot of money uh, with the knowledge of when we go back, this is what we were going to do. So we came, we, we came back with a pot of cash that we've been using to invest in ourselves. And then we've been working with investors as well on top of that. Um, so it's been a mixture of both. Yeah. Oh, okay. So um, were the investors mainly on the HMO side? Um, yes. I don't. I don't think we had anyone for the SA. Yeah. 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 So rent to SA, we did it all ourselves. It doesn't cost that much to set up a rent to service accommodation. Maybe two thousand, uh, about two thousand pounds or something like that, just on kind of fees and then another 2000 on buying the furniture and fittings and kind of like the soft things uh furnishing so it actually doesn't cost too much to do that it was it was the um the hmos that we involved investors into it yeah and you've got two hmos is that right so we yeah so we're working on our portfolio of hmos in the the hmos that are under refer that are two at the moment aren't they yeah. so they're going uh, they're going quite they're going quite well. <laughs> Again, our um, our our background in architecture either helps us or or, or detriments to us. I don't know, <laughs> but we're very um, we're very pernickety with our timings, and we we tend to think that we know how long things take. So we're we're always on it with our contractor saying, "So why is this taking this long? <laughs> What's the update on the projects, etc." Um, but yeah, it's, it's all good fun and games. I think we kind of jumped into HMOs rather than a lot of people go into property, especially at the beginning of their property journey, and they start with vitalettes. But um, we, again, being commercial architects, thinking of just buying a house and only, you know, doing a paint job and a carpet job didn't excite us enough. <laughs> So we ju- jumped into the deep end and started with HROs and even uh, even t- not kind of, oh, we will, you know, paint and carpet it, it but we'll, we look at really gaining, um, get a, getting a better value at the end of it. So um, we convert garages, we do roof loft, loft extensions and things like that to actually gain real value out of the house. Yeah. We were quite strongly advised by a friend as well that we met very early on in our property um, journey when we came back to the UK. He was he's an ex um, construction he was an ex construction site manager before he got into moved into property. And so when he he met us and he came up to us after our twenty second pitch at the networking event, yeah, all <laughs> um, rolled together, and he, and he just said. If you two were architects, you just because we were, we know we were going to go kind of. We were thinking about going into lets, and he just said, if you two are architects, you you can skip by lets and just get straight into um, into HMOs because because of the kind of background and knowledge we have on buildings. Yeah, actually, touching back uh, on the um, networking question that you had, so the um, uh, that gentleman that we did meet. Cosmo Gentleman, he's uh, such a good friend of ours. <laughs> we ended up being amazing friends with him and his partner, and he, they're, they're one of our kind of best friends uh, who live really close to us because we moved to a different part of the UK after coming back. Um, just to kind of because we wanted to base ourselves in the centre of the north, so we could. Uh, it was it was 
first strategic, we came back, we based ourselves in the centre of the north so we could buy property anywhere in the north of England. <laughs> so we'd be about an hour, and a, an hour and a half from it. And then the very first people that we met at a property event was... Um, was him who was an investor and him and his partner both have are financially free from property um they're literally retired they're having a great life they have a dog as well <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's been amazing uh, because they've taught us so many things that we wouldn't have otherwise yeah we all came from a 20 second pitch pitch yeah yeah you never know they yeah. might you might not have met them if it wasn't for that exactly Absolutely. yeah yeah so the fact that you, um, you're architects, I guess it's enabled you to be more creative with your projects and add value in ways that a lot of other people wouldn't usually be able to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, um, we like Mary mentioned before, we look for those projects where we're adding real um, value to the property through an extension or a conversion or a, you know, a loft conversion. Um, we're adding um, square meters to the to the floor plan to the footprint. Yeah. Um, so we know we're adding value, and we're not. I'm not saying you can't add value through paint and carpets and things like that, but we're not taking. We we don't want to take that risk. We want to know. Look, we've made this house 15 square meters bigger because we converted the garage, and so there's, yeah, there's right. more living space now. So it's it's yeah. going to be. Um, real tangible value. Yeah, exactly. Real tangible yeah. value. Yeah, yeah. And because um, so with um, house of multiple occupancy, there's different ways that they value it um, at the end. And if you um, if you convert a property that won't be more than five uh, bedrooms, so it's only six and above bedrooms that you may get a commercial valuation. Before that. Um, it's more likely that you get a bricks and mortar valuation or a what's the combined one hybrid. the hybrid valuation uh, so in in those cases you uh, you don't know exactly how much value you adding to it unless you actually add footprint to it so if you add more square meterage onto the house you know that you're going to get money out of that house when you revaluate it in six months time or a year's time oh yeah so Again, the uh, I guess you only knew that through your background. Um, not, no, 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 I suppose not, not necessarily. Because I mean, the, the you're taught on the courses to that you're going to find all these houses and you're going to paint them and they're going to be worth twice as much just because you painted the walls and um, so you know, you kind of <laughs> do it or work as possible and you're going to get out loads of money from it. But um, I think it goes back to the right at the beginning of the, com of the conversation that um, I think it gives us that edge because we don't some investors or new beginning investors might um, see a see a house and it's got a garage attached to it um, and the thought of converting it might just scare them off they want a you know carpets and paint most people can get their head around whereas to us um, it's just it's just not even really a thought to us. It's like, oh yeah, it's a garage, we can convert it. I'll just go do some drawings and you know, a couple of days later we've got, we've got plans, and, plans <laughs> yeah. and sections that can be you know, submitted for planning if needed and given to a builder and submitted yeah. for building regs and it's just not it's not really uh yeah. 
It's just not very big. It's just, I don't know. Really initial, I don't know how to yeah. say that without sounding like a, oh, <laughs> sounding yeah. big editor, but it's just not, it's not something we really worry about because it's just something we're so used to doing. We just, yeah, you get going. I should, um, I should mention though, we did do a few property courses. Uh, so although we had knowledge about, um, uh, about kind of the construction industry and how to design and layouts and things like that, we had zero knowledge <laughs> about property. <laughs> we didn't know about valuations. We didn't know you could add value. We, we just we didn't have that kind of no property knowledge. We had we didn't know there were different ways to buy property. We didn't know you could buy property under market value. <laughs> you know, don't know these things. And to the point where, you know, if you'd ask us years ago or four years ago, oh, like where would you buy a house to rent? We'd probably tell you the most expensive area to yeah. buy a house be like then you get really nice tenants right you spend loads of money doing up your house (laughs) whereas um so when we did do the courses and not kind of like pay a massive lump sum to kind of get a you know huge you know do all singing and dancing and all type of courses that show you all kind of strategy it's better to understand what you're after if it's capital gain or whether you actually want um, kind of regular income from the property and then know where to go, whether you want to go to service accommodation, hate calls, where to let, and that kind of stuff. So kind of understand what you want, know your strategy, know your area, and then a plot, and then kind of go and do specific courses that are related specifically to that. And that's yeah. what we went and did. We did an initial course, uh, which taught us about property, and we were like, oh, cool, okay, we can do this. Um, um, and then we did specific ones. So we specifically did service accommodation course, didn't we? Because we didn't have a clue about service accommodation. And gained loads of knowledge about it because service accommodation is so different. It's having a business rather than just a property business. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I guess the key is choosing the strategy that you want early on, just so you can really read up on that. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really useful. So with your investors then, what sort of agreements do you have with them? Is it a joint venture or are they angel investors? Typically angel investors. We have done one um, joint venture in the past, um, but not the rest of them have been um, angel investor yeah. agreements. We're, we're open to both uh, joint ventures and angel investments. Um, so uh, kind of either or are quite good to do. Um, I suppose the main thing is with um, joint ventures is it's better to know the person. So we knew the person we had our joint venture with um, or doing the joint venture with. Um, whereas if it's the first time that you're doing, uh, you're, you're having an investor uh, we'd kind of advise that it's better to do an in- angel investment just so you know each other better before you jump into bed, like they say, um, and, and, and and own a property together. There's a lot of ties with a JV investor. You know, you're setting up an SPV company together. You're likely to be getting a bank account together. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of quite legal ties to each other. Um, I don't think that should be taken lightly. And, you know, like Mary said, we always try and push, not not push it on them. We try and explain to them the reasons why we feel that it would be beneficial for us to do an angel investment together, you know, for six months or 12 months, whatever it might be, um, where we get to know each other 
because it's it's a it's a two way thing as well. It might we it's not just we might not um you know want them as an investor anymore. They might decide that we're not suitable for you know, for, for what they're after. You know, we might be too gung ho for them, or we might not be. Are we not? We might not. You know, they want they want they want high risk high rewards or whatever. And yeah. Um. So it's good to kind of go through that vetting process on an angel investment agreement first yeah. before you jump into a JV. Mm. And they get, um, with angel investment, um, all the, the investors get such an amazing return on their investment for a short burst of time as well. So it's it's kind of in their interest to, to trial it out or do that. Because, you know, so many people that we kind of don't think about it, but so many people have a pot of money or might be a small pot of money in their bank that's making absolutely nothing. <laughs> And it's getting worse. Yeah. Um, so you know, with with property, you can give such a much much better um, in level of interest to them that's you know really suitable for them to do. And it's a short amount of time as well. So if they feel kind of okay, and now I need this money after six, ten, twelve months, they get that money back with with interest, and then they get to use it on whatever they they want. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of actually paying your investors back, do you pay them monthly or is it a lump sum at the end of the refurb and the refinance? We're like we're actually flexible. Um, we don't mind so much how the investor wants to pay him back. The ideal is that you just roll it all up in one lump sum at the end because then you're not worrying about cash flow during um, during the project, during the refurb, etc., um, but if an investor wanted to be paid monthly, um, it wouldn't be. A, yeah. you know, it's not an issue to yeah. us. It'll be it will be monthly interest being paid. Yeah, yeah, right. We'd always pay the capital yeah. sum back at the end once all the um, uh, revaluations gone through, and we've effectively got the money back from the lender, the mortgage lender. Yeah. Yeah. So, if it's monthly, it's essentially like paying mortgage mortgage inter- interest, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So it's 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 a much smaller amount than kind of the whole amount that comes out right at the end. Yeah. So if you do have to pay your investors monthly, how do you sort of manage that cash flow? Because obviously you're going through the refurb as well. So yeah, how do you go about doing that? So well, before Mary's just whispering me, but before I say that answer, um, I think you you've got to make sure the You've got to reevaluate your deal depending on how you're getting the finance and what the terms are of that payment. Yeah. So just for example, you're not even taking angel investment for it. If you were um, going to use bridging finance, the fees that came with bridging and the terms that came with bridging, mm. that all of a sudden a deal might not stack up if you were using your own cash and you're obviously not paying any interest on it or you're using an angel investors um who's you're paying a lower interest on and you might be rolling up at the end or you might be paying installments you've got to just reevaluate the deal don't um don't just assume that okay i've got the hundred thousand pound that i needed mm. um and therefore it'll be fine but actually you need to find another you know six to ten thousand pound or whatever for whatever percentage you've agreed but then in terms of the so if you if you've stacked your deal up properly then um you should be okay but then also we um we still work at the moment we still have our day jobs as architects um so we supplement 
a large proportion of our income is goes into the business. And so we offer personal guarantees to all investors um, based off our salaries. And that money would can also be used as yeah, um, reassurance to the investor. And also, look, there's another way, there's another um, source of money that can be used to pay you back. Yeah, so I guess overall, just add it into your costs when stacking up a deal. Exactly. Yeah. Get, as they say, get the numbers right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you were touching up upon cash flow recently. So with the SA, it can sometimes fluctuate massively. So how do you go about working the annual cash flow? Uh, I see. Uh, because we're, um, our SA units are in the city centre, we actually don't fluctuate that much. We do get the summer months you can charge more. And it's like fully booked in the summer months. It's brilliant. Um, but we don't get quiet times, really. We're at least 70% booked throughout the year. So um, we don't. We, uh, we actually don't have many problems. And just this month, February, somebody booked, did a direct booking with us for the whole month because they were relocating to the university. So it was brilliant. <laughs> 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 Which is ideal because February is one of your quiet, one of the quieter yeah, months. Yeah. So, so to have it booked out for hundred percent occupancy is just absolutely ideal. Yeah, yeah. So we do get so you do get things like that as well, which is really good. And being in the city centre, so the units are occupied by people during the week. They're occupied by people who are um, uh, who are working in the city. There's loads of trades. There's lots of construction going on, which is really good as well. Um, so lots of engineers and things like that stay there. Um, and in the weekend, there's people who are coming, obviously, for the weekend. So um, during the week, we to, we tend to get about two to three people staying there. And then during the weekend, um, the essays are always with kind of like four or five people. Um, so you get holiday makers staying there. And then um, because it's near the university as well, we get lots of university students and foreign students, families staying in the units as well. So there's lots of range of type of people who stay throughout the year, really, which helps. Yeah, and with the um, range of people that stay in your essays, can it sometimes be short term and long term or? Yeah, yeah. So it can really fluctuate. Um, like I said, we had a booking for the whole month and that's, university related so it's relocating uh, uh, so uh, i think a lecturer or something's relocating so they stay for longer um and then uh, for trades people who come and stay there uh, who work around they work they stay for the whole week and uh, whereas weekends are always kind of holiday makers people who come there to you know, just, just come, come for two holiday. nights friday saturday and then go yeah. back home for the yeah work on monday so the um so our weekends and this is kind of like what most service accommodations do so saturday and sunday your rates are a lot higher than the weekday rates so sunday to thursday the rates drop uh, because it's people who are working and they're not kind of high income earning so much uh, and because they're, they're booking for a longer term the weekends you can hike up the prices because it's people on holiday and there's more of them generally and um, with your HMOs, are the tenants there more long term then? I presume. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, I mean, you're going to you sign them up to a minimum of six month AST. The idea, obviously, is that they, they you know they will stay for longer. But uh, HMOs are 
they are more transient than they're going to than a buy to let is going to be. Um, you know, they're not kind of the whole let and forget type um, scenario with single lets where you might get a family in there and they'll stay for five years and you won't hear a peep out of them. You, you know, there is going to be a high level of turnover, but. Um, you know, it's not. It's obviously not like an SA unit. It's not an SA unit. I think you've touched on a really interesting point with service accommodation. Um, in the first six months before it got systemized, I was stressed out all the time, <laughs> mainly because they they review you, right? You know, every couple of days you get reviewed, and um, and I used to take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, and I'd, I'd be really nervous because, so, you know, we've got an amazing cleaner who does all the cleaning for the, for the service accommodation business and things like that. So it's, so it's really nice and it's really hands off now because we've got virtual assistant involved as well. Um, but to start off with, it was really hands on and it was really stressful. So I'd kind of be really nervous for the guests going in and make sure everything's perfect because I'd get rated. That's what thing I'd be like, I'm getting rated. Um, whereas with HMO, no one can rate me. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose it's a bit it's a bit less stressful and they 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 sign up for six months. As Andrew said, it's not let them forget. So it's a bit more hands on. Uh, but I always think, you know, if we could do SA, we can do HMO. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, do you um, employ a management company for both your SA and your HMO? So, with um, with the H uh, with the service accommodation, we've systemized it online. So, we've got lots of on online channels like channel uh, managers uh, that kind of does. There's most of the background, the payments and things like that. All goes that that's all automated. Uh, any kind of messages and things like that that the guests sent. The first port of call is our uh, VA, and then if he can't answer it, then uh, I take over and answer their question. Uh, there's also lockboxes for the uh, service accommodation, so touch wood. I don't deal with it much. <laughs> um, and then I can't tell you the last time I was I, I stepped foot in the SA. No, I don't even know what it was. Must yeah. be been last year sometime. If the you know if a blind collapses, then you go in because I can't reach it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the HMOs, we um, we, we manage we, ourselves, don't we? Yeah. Um, I think that obviously there'll be a long-term strategy where that will end up getting given to somebody else um, because we we're not we're not building this to replace our jobs with new jobs. We are building doing this to. Um, you know, create passive income. I'm not saying nothing's truly passive, but yeah, we don't want to be doing dealing with daily um, tenant issues or maintenance, maintenance or anything like that. Um, but we, I think, we yeah. see ourselves as um, taking on someone almost as an employee, so to speak, in the company who will manage it the way we want it to be managed, as opposed to um, giving it to a letting agent or a or, or HMO manager or something. Yeah. Yeah. there's a different level of care that you have when it's your company and somebody else has when it's not the company the cash flow isn't coming to them and to ensure that you're 90% or 100% occupied in the HMO um, that can kind of people can neglect that uh, when it's outsourced to management although then um, I'm sure there's amazing managements out there who are really on it and who do a really really good job 
but we do we have maintenance so if there's any problem maintenance take care of it again with our va um he's the first port of call if the tenants have any questions or anything like that and so we're always kind of secondary to to the information so we don't get bombarded with everything straight away you touched upon the va um has that really helped you in your career and property like has it saved you a, a ton of time yeah it's already already been massive benefits and we're not even really I, I don't think we're really scratching the surface with him yet either i think there's yeah. a lot more that we could be giving to him and kind of you know we'll look to give to him as, as we progress and there's just so many things that we just do automatically and not realize that well not, not realize but we could have given to the va um and so once i think once we once we really start to plan out it's going to be it's going to be amazing but yeah, it's saving us a lot of time um, I mean, if I'm honest, he finds our deals. I don't, we don't even do it ourselves anymore. He's we've, I mean, we've set up all the systems and processes and recorded videos explaining for him how to do everything. Um, but yeah, we don't even um, look at right move or anything like that anymore until he notifies us that he's found something, something worth looking at. So yeah, it's massive. In a massive yeah. business. It, it was very stressful at one point before just before we got our virtual assistant. I just you just get reams and reams of right move emails coming through um on your emails and I was like, I don't know how to like I can't control this. I can't I don't want to look at this anymore. It was just so many unread emails. So, so as soon as we got our um virtual assistant that was it that everything was systemized in terms of our searches and moved on to him so it's like hallelujah <laughs> our emails are all red <laughs> <laughs> do you um so in the future do you plan to get maybe more virtual assistants and maybe systemize everything like including your hmos and stuff yeah we'll we'll definitely systemize as much as we can um I can see he's ended up with maybe another VA in the long run. Um, he definitely doesn't do enough hours yet for us to be considering that yet. But whether it's getting outsourced to a VA or it's getting outsourced to a property manager or a um, you know letting agent or whatnot, the tasks are definitely going to be um, are definitely going to be outsourced in the long run. Um, we like we talked about before. We we want to be traveling the world, so we are going to be able to go to viewings and look at houses. So. We're going to have to find people to do that for us in the long run and teach them what we're looking for and yeah. um you know to make those decisions for us but again as a indirect thing thing from our experience in architecture and um, you know the, the company i'm working for now we um there's a capex committee in it which is it's you know it's a humongous company and it's it's bigger than I well, I don't know, maybe we'll end up being that big, but there's a process there that I'm effectively a cog in that machine. I go I'm doing the architecture work in order for that um for that um, site to progress. And eventually the way I look at it is that in theory it might be a much smaller scale, but I'm going to be that person at the top of the chain who's going to be also we're going to be the people at the top of the chain who um, it's our, you know, it's our portfolio, it's our cash or whatever, and we're expanding it. But we've got the people and the team out there who are finding the sites, who are going and analysing the sites, they're finding the builders, they're managing the builders, etc. And it's we're actually working uh, on the business as opposed to being in the business. Yeah, definitely. So at the start, especially with the right move searches, did you find that hard to sort of hand over and trust someone else to do it? 
no, because I um, I was monitoring, so I generally lead that side of things, and I was still monitoring it, looking at adverts when they were coming in. Um, I was never saying to the VA, I think you should be looking at this one. I was just keeping an eye on it so I could track what he was giving back to us. But uh, we've been very fortunate with the guy we've hired, and he's been very spot on. Um ever since ever since we started and as um so yeah i've got no issues with what he's putting forward um and we you know we gave him we told him to be cautious if he's rather um rather than trying to be perfect so okay we might get a few more than um we probably could or some might come through the net that i wouldn't have put forward but I'd sooner have him do that and me have to do an extra bit of checking then um then a potential opportunity to get missed. Yeah definitely. I guess it's the fact that you sort of showed him how to do it and obviously you knew how to do it well so you can't really It's like McDonald's that you know it's all done off a it's all systemized. It's everyone there's a process for everything and that's why I suppose it didn't have a a real worry about handing it over to somebody because I wrote manuals and recorded videos going through the process on every single one, uh, sort of every single thing to do with it. And so um, it's there for him to refer back to any point. If we, if we get a new VA for whatever reason, it's already there for them to um, refer to and do the same with. And that's the same with any process we give them. Um, Tim Ferriss, um, I don't think it's in the book, actually. No, no, so it is in the book. It is in the book for our work week. And then also on his website, there's a whole section on VAs and all about how you should um, communicate tasks to a VA, um, which is I think is really important for anyone who's got a VA or is thinking of getting a VA to to get hold of or read. I think you can get it on his blog. You don't necessarily need the book. But, um, but yes, you need to know how to give a task to somebody so that it's clear and it's understood and it gets completed in um, not, the, not the way you want it, but in the correct way um, in order for it to be successful and they don't end up down some rabbit hole for 10 hours and you've, you've paid for all their time and you don't know what you've got, you know, you haven't got anything for it. So, um, so yeah, we learn off that and um, put the systems in place. So no, we don't really have any worries with them. Yeah. The, the four hour work week of, got that on audible i definitely need to give it a listen oh yeah it's brilliant (laughs) i read it once and i must have listened to it three times i think Uh, and was um there's so many great great bits of information in there yeah Yeah. it's it's on youtube as well isn't it yeah get on free for youtube but we didn't don't talk to him him we told you (laughs) (laughs) so in terms of when you guys want to go traveling how many sort of properties do you want by that point i suppose it's more about um our financially free number rather than how many we want so um just getting enough so we can kind of cover ourselves um and kind of pay ourselves through traveling and pay us at like whatever we have here um take care of all of all of this outsource so like outsource get managers and if we can set up all those systems um and be quite comfortable with it then i think that that's all we will need yeah you don't need as much money as you think you do um and so we have quite a low what people might consider quite a low financially 
three Thank figure you. and it's not even a figure that um but we earn more than that now already and quite significantly more than that already but we know um first-hand experience of traveling the world we know how much it costs um so we know how much we need um so the first aim was the first aim in the minute is to get um to get one of our work mm. um so that's the first figure and then 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 we'll start looking on to how, how quickly after that we can start setting up to go traveling again yeah <laughs> moving on a bit what are your ultimate goals for 2020 we um so we held a, we did this as our kind of our first post for the year on our social medias and um we actually just tried to keep it quite simple we um don't, don't want to get lost in the kind of complexities and, and big visions and we'd sooner just have have small goals so the first one was just to be, be happy basically just, be happy yeah yeah so <laughs> let things get you down and yeah, try and keep on top of things because it's stressful being in uh, mm. having a full-time job and being in property yeah every day something new comes up uh, yeah and... i'm building sick at the minute so <laughs> right, i know yeah just causing delays so you know but uh it's helpful to see that bigger picture um, and then and then and then you have to put, put a really fun song on <laughs> and at the moment our song is Let's get ready to rumble. Um, <laughs> <like> this tune. <laughs> I don't think these guys were even born when it came out. <laughs> and then um, second one was um, our target is to have um, to get five HMOs this year, which we're well on the way with. Yeah, uh, two on the two on the go already. And then um, last one was about our health, which was uh, hit mm. hit three times a week. Yeah. I think should know what so yeah, we exercise three times, three times a week. It's not very long. Hit. I don't know if you guys know. Hit's high intensity interval training, and I basically do fifteen minutes up in the morning, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing, and it makes you a bit more motivated and gives you some energy. And um, so yeah, health, health, be happy, uh, and get uh, get five four, get H, five HMOs. Yeah, that's some good goals. So. Um, do you ever plan to, in the future, do you ever plan to sort of become angel investors yourselves rather than building your own portfolios? Good question. Mm, why not? Um, <laughs> great plan. <laughs> yeah, well, we, um, there's going to have to, there's going to be a point where, um, we'll start to diversify within property and then there's going to be a point where we're going to start diversifying outside of property as well. So, um, Angel investing, whilst it might still be in property, is another you know it's another another stream of income. Yeah, that isn't relying on. Yeah, and it's guaranteed income. It's amazing. So um, definitely, consider. I think if, as well, if we'd be it would be it'd be wrong for us to sit here and say no way we're never going to do that when if we want people to come and work with us as angel investors, that would be very kind of hypocritical to say. Oh yeah, come and give us your money and be our angel investor. But mm. you know, by the way, we'd never do that. Mm. Um, so we understand the benefits of doing it. Like Mary's saying, it's, uh, it's you a, do nothing and you get a, loads out of it. That's <laughs> yeah. fact. Um, you know, return on investment. So it, w- w- I suppose why wouldn't we yeah. do it in the long run? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Moving back to traveling, what are some of the countries that you? Some of your dream countries that you really want to travel to. 
So the, the two countries I've always ever wanted to go to were India and Japan. We went to India on, on our year, the year we were traveling. So I still need to get back to Japan yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, but then Safari yeah. and the Serengeti are on my vision board. So going to Africa, we'd love to uh, go to the Serengeti and do the Safari. That would be amazing. And then going to Middle East, I yeah. think. So we haven't done Middle East either well i went to uzbekistan last year and it was absolutely amazing it was really fantastic but we'd actually like to travel through middle east um and see all the amazing mountain regions and go to the himalayas as well at the end yeah. that would be yeah, really really, really well. good so yeah, yeah I'd, love to, I'd love to do more traveling <laughs> <laughs> so many countries so actually uh, let's tell you this so um, we we didn't know how many. I think it was last year we went to six countries. Yeah, just you know, yeah. just, just with property and everything else, we uh, still met seven. seven. Yeah, we still managed to go to seven countries last year, which is great. <laughs> and, and then we decided we said, okay, let's actually tally up how many countries we've been to. So we made an Excel spreadsheet of how many com- countries there are and how many countries we've been to. And there's so many countries out there. <laughs> <laughs> and we've only been to 50. <laughs> I think there's 200 ca- countries out there, so we've only done a quarter of the world. It's terrible. <laughs> we need to get back out there <laughs> and see all the other countries. <laughs> yeah. You don't actually realise how many there is until you actually look into it, do you? But then, you know, if you do live in England, you hit Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland quite quickly, you know, obviously we warp into it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, final question. If you could go back and give yourselves, before you got into property or just your younger selves, three top tips, what would they be? You're good with tips. I might go first, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would I would say uh, start sooner. Whilst the I suppose we had kind of two years in Oz whilst we were whilst we were um, learning, and I think we probably could have made so we could have actually started investing sooner than that. And even if that had been through angel investing and uh, earn and learn or something, which um, we do with some of our investors, um, you know yeah give so, them education as well as a return on their money you know things like that so we could have been making a return while still learning so definitely get we could have st- start mm. start sooner yeah um i think uh, i would just say it, um kind of reality is what what you make of it um so when i was uh, 19 just before i went to uni um i was over in america i was coaching football out there for three months and I was just like, oh, this is amazing, this is amazing, but I need to get back to reality at some point and I've got to go back to England and get a job and go to uni. Um, and even though I'd had that exposure to that, I still, it still was quite a while until we went travelling when I actually realised that this whole having a real job and working is just a kind of construct and you can make your own construct and you can make your own reality. So, I mean, it's, I think it's absolutely um, amazing that you, you two guys are doing all everything that you're doing and um, it's amazing, not going, <laughs> not going to university and, um, and just looking, to, to, yeah. looking to get into property, working in a state agent, etc. I think it's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I tell other people to do, you know, you don't have to follow that status quo that you taught in school. 
Absolutely. I think that uh, we're in a you know, capitalist world and we have to understand how to live in this world and kind of the meritocracy of education no longer really applies. You don't make money just because you've been to university. <laughs> you you have to understand the world you live in and how to um, adjust to it and how to benefit yourselves and the people around you um, kind of with the situations that we live in. And uh, like one thing for me is uh, because I, so I lecture at university as well and I keep telling my students this uh, is that people don't understand the value of people. So lots of um, kind of school students, college students, university students, they kind of go day to day in their lives and they have a group of friends, but they don't understand the value of networking yet. Any, you can network at any age. So um, getting to know more people, you know, making connections with more people, getting to know your lecturers, don't just try to like get by, do your work and leave. You know, talk to every lecturer you have an opportunity to. I've got 90% of my jobs, um, and this is kind of, I don't know, 10, 12 years on, I've got 90% of my jobs through my lecturers. Um, because they have amazing connections to amazing um, firms, architecture firms that they know that they know of. So I've got loads of my job through them. I've got loads of my jobs through peers. Your network's your net worth. Yeah, your network is your network. Mm. Uh, and I think people need to understand the value of people. Anyone you talk to has value. Anyone you talk to has something special about them. And you, it's really, really important to kind of value absolutely everyone. And I think um, my last one would be um, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> <laughs> and we live by that every day. And it, whenever I get stuck, I kid you not, I just repeat that to myself and somehow it works out. Finish off my third one, which I suppose would be... Um... Would be just to, I suppose for it's it's so much for younger self, but for everyone out there who's starting off and um, it's first getting into property, is just to just to believe in yourself. Um, you can go on as many courses as you want, but ultimately it's you know you it's taking that first step and taking that action. And for me, the biggest part of and every. All the education courses we did, bar maybe the first one, which taught us just, just actually taught us how to be a property developer, a property investor. Um, the biggest thing is is mindset. It's more, it's, it's way more powerful and more important than anything um, you're going to learn on a course about, you know, how to how to do it or how to run a cash flow figures or anything like that. Or work out your ROI. Just actually backing yourself and believing that it's possible, and then going out and doing it and taking action. Yeah. yeah. So nothing works until you take action. Yeah. <laughs> and we did. We spent loads of time doing education and kind of um, trying to understand everything. And then, and then, kind of one day, I was like, okay, that's it. That's it. We just need to go out there and do this. We need to stop take. Like we actually have money in one of the education, um, uh, ed like property education courses, and we haven't attended the course because I thought that's it, I'm not going to attend any more courses. I'm just going to go take action. I'm just going to go out there and go to every viewing I can go to. <laughs> um, and that, that was it. That kicked off everything, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day we'll use money. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's absolutely like we admire what you guys do and what you guys have achieved just in the uh, space of time that you have and the mindset that you guys have. It's amazing, and I wish more people were were like you. I wish we were like you <laughs> when when we were our younger selves. So it's fantastic what you guys are doing. Keep doing it. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, at school we we're like the only two like this, and we do say to ourselves we don't understand how other people aren't like that. But yeah, <laughs> you, you've had those light bulb moments, I think. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't ever judge anyone like that. To be fair, because it's the status quo and it's what's um, you're taught. What yeah, what yeah. you're taught, and we were exactly the same. And we went off to uni, and we. Um, you know, we studied to be architects, which I don't, I don't actually regret for one, one minute. Um, but it's what, it's what you, it's what you did, it's what you were taught to do and not yeah. told to do, and that's how you do it. And, and you know, was, everyone in our school was getting pushed to go to university when, mm. when we were eighteen yeah. years old. So um, I think with, unless your your mind's opened up to it, and then you're willing to uh, see mm. it and accept it, then. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you, don't, you, don't, you kind of don't know any better, yeah. Out of interest, we're going to interview you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did how did you say How did it come about? Um, well, we're both interested in business and sort of entrepreneurship anyway. And then Guy introduced me to Samuel Leeds on YouTube. And then just sort of, we went to his crash course. Obviously, he's got mixed opinions now but um yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we went to his crash course and then just sort of went on from there so yeah yeah and it was it was similar to me really because um when i was in school i knew that that wasn't really my strong point and then i came across like entrepreneurship and I, it really started with like gary vaynerchuk and I knew for some time that I really wanted to um, like set my own company up, but I was just like so unsure in what. And then obviously I stumbled across property and then really got into it. And then um, recently I've met Harley and then, yeah, we've formed this thing, which is really good. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. yeah it's really, really good. It's good to do, to, to, so again, you're taught to that certain personality types are entrepreneurial or they're the business types. But actually, that that's you know that's a myth in itself as well. If you put yourself out there, and like Andrew said, if you believe in yourself and you know you can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think everything's taught. I wouldn't say that um, design was something I was that natural at. And I actually went into architecture because I I love the building side of it. I love being on site, delivering like projects on site. You have Mary's the designer who, you know, loves the creative side of it and teaches it in university. But, you know, design was definitely taught to me. And just like an entrepreneurial mindset can be taught to you. Because I have I've never had I don't think I've ever really had anything any mindset like this. And it was exposure to people in the in the industry, like we said before, that's made me realise that I was in I was in the right field in, in kind of property and building like i do did love it but maybe the role of the architect was not the right 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 place to tell a quick story of the kind of first realization i had of it was when uh, we used to a practice we used to work for um 
there was a site, um, I'll try to keep the details semi-vague, but there was a site that and the company did a feasibility scheme on for a 400 bed, a 400 apartment um, tower block. We as the company, because it was like a feasibility study, got paid £5,000. The developer off the back of this feasibility study sold the site for £15 million and the broker in the middle of it made half a million. Wow. And the whole wow. thing was, you know, un- unlocked because us as the architecture practice did this design and we made £5,000 out of it. And the guy putting the deal together made half a million. <laughs> Crazy. I think that was my first point of, hang on, <laughs> I think I might be in the wrong part of the chain here. <laughs> yeah, so on that note, we think it will be a good time to end the podcast. So we want to thank you guys for coming on. It's been a pleasure to interview you both. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, great. You guys are inspirational. Thank you so much for having us. It's been really, really good fun speaking to you. Yeah, and you so um finally is there any special mentions you want to um, um yeah give, give us a follow on instagram yeah, uh, handles so. at elite investor group yep so you can find us on instagram facebook and uh, website elite investor group uh, and, com. Dot com and then you'll find us <laughs> so we always put loads and loads of tips every day i put new tips on uh, about property and property investing so any kind of help you need, please give us a shout. We'll be happy to have a chat with you. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. And please make sure to give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. We'll see you next week for another episode.